Happy NFL kickoff. This is the morning after on Sports Grid. I'm your host, Ariel Epstein, taking you through the next three hours of this NFL opening day. I am so excited. Not only are we going to give you the breakdown, we're going to get you ready for the NFL season. Tonight's the night. We start things off. We're going to tell you how to get the edge in the props market. Maybe you're starting off with some teasers and some parlays with tonight's game. It is the Dallas Cowboys road dogs at the reigning champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It also features my Super Bowl MVP, whose name is not Tom Brady. It is Mr. Linebacker Devin White. Cannot wait to start betting some more Devin White tackles props. I know my co-host is just as excited as I am. Ben Stevens joining me now. Ben, happy NFL kickoff day. Ariel, happy NFL kickoff day to you as well. The debut of the 2021 NFL regular season. The first game in a regular season that will now feature 17 games for all 32 NFL organizations. I think it was Scott Hansen who said it best. Football. Football. Call your family. Text your friends. Tell them you'll see them again at the end of February. We have football now for what feels like five, six months it is going to be incredible it starts tonight on a thursday night the reigning super bowl champion tampa bay buccaneers let the cannons loose in tampa florida eight and a half point favorites over the dallas cowboys and ariel this line has been moving like crazy it opened at six and a half in favor of tampa bay it moved to seven and a half earlier this week in the past 24 hours it has climbed all the way to eight and a half in favor of the buccaneers how do we make sense of all this line movement, that's what we will do today here on the morning after on YouTube TV. Now, by the way, which I have in my apartment, so roommates, if you're hearing this, please put it on. Congratulations, not only to SportsGrid for launching on YouTube TV today, also for FanDuel Sportsbook launching in Arizona. It is a huge day in sports betting. Arizona is going to probably be one of the biggest competitors to Las Vegas. They're going to be similar to New Jersey, if not even better in a sense that you're able to have different sports books inside of stadiums and arenas. It's going to be the start of something new. It is the start of the future. Also hearing that the NFL has added lines to their ticker. Uh, yeah, hello. Mm. We are here. We are ready to take over the NFL season, and we're ready to make the NFL season even more exciting for you if you can go bet on the NFL now in your state, legally on your mobile device. Hey, New York will get there eventually. Next year at this time, I'm sure we'll uh, still be talking about how New York will eventually get it. I'm just kidding. I'm just being a Debbie Downer. It's a happy day. And here's the thing. You were talking about the line movement. It's probably the biggest uh, absence for either of the teams coming up tonight. And that's the offensive lineman, Zach Martin, who's going to be out for the Dallas Cowboys. He tested positive for COVID-19 just a few days ago. Even though he was asymptomatic throughout the week, he still has to test negative twice despite being vaccinated and he's not testing negative I guess because we have not heard anything from the team within the last 24 hours regarding Martin's actual return to the team that's telling me this really really tough defensive front who's probably one of the best if not the best front sevens in the NFL the Tampa Bay Buccaneers get to take advantage of this massive hole in the Dallas Cowboys offensive line. That's why we're probably seeing that line move even more off the seven and a half 
to an eight and a half, favoring the home team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience. First hour here on the morning after Sirius XM Channel 204, the Mightier 1090 on the West Coast. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. Let's take a look at tonight's injury report because we do have some updates from around both these teams. First, as I just mentioned, the offensive lineman, Zach Martin, not going to be available tonight because of testing positive for COVID. The Bucks wide receiver, Chris Godwin, limited Tuesday with a quad injury, was a full go on Wednesday, and will play. Tampa Bay loses a safety, though. Jordan Whitehead, who's been out with a hamstring injury, officially ruled out for tonight. Ben, because of this line movement in Tampa Bay's favor, clearly the biggest injury is to Zach Martin. Yeah, not having Zach Martin out there, who is a Pro Bowl guard, one of the best interior offensive linemen around the NFL, is going to hamper the Dallas Cowboys. And we saw what that Tampa Bay front can do in sacking and pressuring the quarterback in the most recent NFL game we had, and that would be the Super Bowl. Of course, Tampa getting to Patrick Mahomes constantly and often throughout the entirety of that game. Tampa, a top five sack rate last year around teams in the National Football League. So that will be a pretty soft interior of the O-line. The Dallas Cowboys need to shore up tonight to not only protect Dak Prescott, who is dealing with injury concerns of his own, returning from ankle surgery. The shoulder hasn't been 100% throughout training camp. And of course, trying to get Ezekiel Elliott going early on in this NFL season. There are so many props out there on the FanDuel Sportsbook. I was hoping for team sack. Didn't get that. Maybe later before we get to kickoff. But we have seen 69% of the betting handle on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers could also be an indication of some public money that is raising the spread in favor of the Bucs. 58% of the money is on the over, yet the total has dropped by a full point from where it opened at 52.5, which would have been one of the highest totals of the NFL weekend number one, down to 51.5 where it stands currently. Both of these teams played a majority of their games to the over last year. In fact, Tampa as a home favorite, 4-2 and two to the over last season in 2020. Could we see a lot of points on opening night in the NFL? Could the cannons be firing from the Buccaneers ship tonight in Tampa Bay area? I think there's a good shot of that. Tampa Bay's win total sitting at 11 and a half. Division odds minus 240 to win the NFC South. Conference Three to one, Tampa Bay to win the Super Bowl, plus 650, second best odds on the board behind the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming up next, we'll go through a lot more headlines from around the NFL. We're here to get you ready, not only for just tonight, for the weekend slate. Stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. On the morning after on Sports Grid, it is Sirius XM Channel 204. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. Going away from tonight's game for just a little bit, we will break down not just that game in happy hour. We're going to give you our favorite props of the day. We're also going to go through the NFL futures market, give you our Super Bowl predictions later on. First, let's get to some of these headlines. Coming up on Sunday, the Los Angeles Chargers are going to be uh, 
are going to start their season on Sunday with Austin Eckler, their running back, kind of in question. Now, you've got Austin Eckler, who was not practicing, according to this report by Daniel Popper. He was not practicing during the open period, yet Eckler was working off to the side with trainers. This is one of the most versatile members of this Chargers team. You've got Austin Eckler, in addition to Keenan Allen, your wide receiver. If you don't have Austin Eckler, Justin Herbert, their quarterback, is without one of his biggest key offensive weapons who can help open up this field for his wide receivers. Ben, I'm concerned if Eckler's not good to go. I just have a feeling uh, he's going to find his way on the field. I think he'll probably be there for the Chargers opener on Sunday. A one-point favorite on the road in the nation's capital or around the nation's capital against the Washington football team. But it's important to note because any injury concerns we have, anything that shows up on the injury report or limited participation or did not participate in practice now affects game week status and, of course, the lines and totals you need to handicap heading into any given NFL game. And Austin Eckler had some injury issues last year. Only played in eight games, missed most most of the months of October and November, respectively. So when you look at this team going up against the Washington football team that has such a good defense, the fourth best total defense or fifth best total defense in the NFL last year, the third best passing defense, which is interesting in the matchup against young Justin Herbert. But if there was a small, small weakness for the football team's defense last year, it was in the ground game. They allowed their opponents to run for 114 and a half yards per game. Now, the Chargers had the ninth most rushing attempts last year under a different head coach and different offensive scheme, but only 18th in yards per game in rushing last year. So not necessarily the most efficient rushing offense, I think in good part because Austin Eckler missed a good majority of last season in 2020. So obviously, they want their lead running back healthy and able to be there on Sunday. It is a game, Ariel, we have certainly discussed already. Interesting, there has not been any line movement when so much of the betting public right now is on the Washington football team. With that being said, it's a game that I'm staying away from, especially with this Austin Eckler injury concern. It is a game I cannot wait to watch. I think it might be one of the best in the early slate on Sunday, but it's a game I don't have a good edge on, so I probably will not be betting. Through the most touchdown passes of any rookie in history, Justin Herbert. Excited to see how one of the best defenses in football is able to take a rookie from last year, say, oh, we've got the tape on you. See what they do with them this year. It's all question marks in Washington about their quarterback situation. Ryan Fitzpatrick, a way better passer than any of the three quarterbacks Washington went through last season. However, the Chargers have a really good defense, too. Excited to see what Justin Herbert does in year number two of his season. There are a lot of other games that I'm really intrigued by on this slate. San Francisco and Detroit, weirdly enough, very intriguing. It's only because San Francisco is your public favorite. When we did our poll just a few days ago saying who's going to win out of all the heavy favorites, who would you say is going to win their game? San Francisco was the public favorite. They're going on the road at Detroit. They're seven and a half point favorites. Now, the 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan did not like that reporters continue to ask him about his quarterback situation. Uh, Shanahan says that the media has been, quote, hard-headed for continually asking him who the 49ers starting QB is, even though he's made it clear since July 27th. That's why he's refusing to answer the question. Hint here in this tweet, it's Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, I'm not surprised it's going to be the quarterback that knows this offensive system. I'm not surprised it's not going to be a rookie quarterback in Trey Lance. The problem is Jimmy Garoppolo has to win this game, and honestly, he really should cover this game against the worst passing defense in the NFL for the last two years. If this game's not a blowout, 
I'm already going to be questioning Jimmy Garoppolo, Ben. 67% of the handle is on the San Francisco 49ers. The spread has moved That's up it. by the hook from seven to seven and a half. Yeah, only 67% because I think a lot of people are looking at this game like a sucker bet and thinking, are the Lions going to do this? But 67% right now of that money on the Niners against the spread. The total has dropped a little bit as well with a good majority of the money on the under. Jimmy Garoppolo spoke to the media yesterday and said it's official, I guess, that I am the starter for the San Francisco 49ers. Unsurprisingly, right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook, Jimmy G does not have any regular season-long passing yards props up there, but there is a future bet for one of the quarterbacks in San Francisco, Trey Lance, in his Offensive Rookie of the Year odds. Plus 700, 7-1, tied for the fourth shortest odds with the Jets' starting quarterback in Zach Wilson. It's all very interesting to me, Ariel, that you could have a quarterback battle, at least it seems on the outside, for a team in San Francisco that is favored to win their division, the NFC West, which is going to be one of the most competitive divisions in all of football. The Niners are plus 190 to win that division with the shortest odds on the board. Their team win total is 10.5. The under has the slight bit of juice, but still, 10.5, a double-digit team win total and all of this with a quarterback situation that is certainly not solid heading into the good majority of the year and could change over it's interesting to see a team that is the favorite to win their division with the third shortest odds to win the nfc conference championship still have some quarterback questions even at this late stage as we get ready for week number one Right. That's why I almost look to them like the Los Angeles Chargers of last year, in a sense. A team that everything aside for the quarterback just feels ready to make a playoff push, ready to even get to a championship game. The only issue is it doesn't feel as if Jimmy Garoppolo has the backing from the 49ers, especially his head coach and Kyle Shanahan. Come on, just say that he's your starting quarterback. There's clearly issues here, Ben, because if you're so confident in your starting quarterback, you say that he's your starting quarterback and you move on. He allowed for this Kyle Shanahan to be this just process of everyone having to guess what's going to happen. It's almost as if he's pushing Jimmy Garoppolo to be better. The problem with Garoppolo wasn't necessarily his skill set. It's been his ability to stay healthy, just one full healthy season in San Francisco. Now, health isn't necessarily an issue in Green Bay right now. It's just been drama, flat-out drama all all preseason, all offseason. Now they get their quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, signed for the next year. However, it's their wide receiver, Devontae Adams, who was one of the most targeted wide receivers last year in football. Nonetheless, just destroyed everyone else on his team when it came to targets and receptions and touchdowns last season. Adams is still in contract negotiations with the Packers. In fact, when he was asked about it by the media yesterday, Adam says that his chances of getting a contract extension and getting it done before the season opener, he said, eh, no, no chance. This is just more issues that Green Bay has to deal with off the field. Yet, Ben, I don't see it being an issue when it comes to Adams actually being on the field for game one. It is just interesting, the timing of it, because when you have such a star marquee player like Devontae Adams, and especially with the reinforcement of Aaron Rodgers backing him up, this would be the time that right before that season opener, maybe some last-minute negotiation and some of that 
pressure you can hold over the other side does pay off. But that will not be the case for Devontae Adams. And like you mentioned, Ariel, tied for the second most targets in the NFL last season, tied with DeAndre Hopkins, had the fifth most receiving yards at over 1,350 yards last year and led the NFL in touchdown receptions, 18 in the regular season, more than three better than anybody else, and had 20 by the time you added up all of his totals in the playoffs as well. So Devontae Adams, obviously a huge portion of this Green Bay offense, and the line is back up for the Packers and Saints on Sunday. Green Bay now a four-point favorite for this game that will take place in Jacksonville, Florida. That's what's so interesting because this line, yes, it was moved from Green Bay minus three to even minus four and a half at one point when the game got moved to Jacksonville because of Hurricane Ida. However, the line moved against Green Bay going from four and a half to four. I'm going to I'm waiting to see what this line looks like as we hit Sunday. I'm intrigued. I did have Green Bay minus three about three weeks ago. FanDuel has kept those uh, has kept those bets. I've heard that there's other books that if you asked for it back, they would have paid you back for the bet if you didn't like it. However, for me, I'm real happy with a Green Bay minus three at the moment. We'll see how that line continues to move as people decide what they feel is going to happen with Jameis Winston and those Saints on Sunday at a neutral site. Major League Baseball, it's still going on. We'll recap what happened yesterday up next. There are a lot of sports talk networks out there. but we- SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Morning after on Sports Grid, it is SiriusXM channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Although it is NFL kickoff tonight with the Bucks taking on the Cowboys, we do have Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball is also approaching its most fun time of year as we get closer and closer to the postseason. Yesterday, underdogs actually prevailed. The reason that this is such a big deal, favorites have been hitting at just under 60% on the year. Yesterday, Underdogs were 10-5 and five straight up. One dog that not only was surprising yesterday or even in this series, keeping a bunch of games close, but this team also has been an underdog that's been a live dog all year, and that's the Seattle Mariners. The Mariners beat the Astros 8-5 to five yesterday. Seattle cashes in at plus 152 on the money line. Now, the Mariners are 55-38 and 38 since the last time they were swept on May 23rd in San Diego. May 23rd, they are 55-38 and 38 ever since. That's the sixth best record in baseball in this stretch behind the Giants, Brewers, Rays, Dodgers, and Astros. All playoff teams. All Winning their divisions currently, minus the Dodgers-Giants, but you can argue that they're both winning their division. The Giants are actually winning their division. The Dodgers and the odds are apparently winning the division. Anyway, the Mariners are up there in that category with best records since the end of May. This team has been a major surprise team, probably my second biggest surprise team behind the Giants this year, Ben. 
And the reason that tweet mentions a sweep is because yesterday with the Mariners storming back in the ninth inning or taking that lead in the ninth when it was tied at 4-4 in Houston is because the Mariners were able to avoid the sweep to the Astros yesterday. And despite dropping the first two games of this set against Houston, the Mariners have won seven of their last 10 games. And now they only sit two and a half games back of that second and final AL wildcard spot. The Toronto Blue Jays are the team in their way ahead of that. And then now the Yankees in that second and final AL wildcard spot. So what the Mariners have been doing here is incredibly impressive. When you look at the odds right now, the Mariners also in second place in the American League West. They are five and a half games back of the Houston Astros. Houston, a minus 1,900 favorite. The Mariners, the second best odds at 30 to 1. But this is the point in the season where we look at the schedules when these wild card races get so close. And the Mariners, out of their seven remaining series, only have one against a team currently in the playoffs. That would be the Boston Red Sox, who are in that top spot in the American League wild card race. They have two more series against the Athletics, two more series against the Angels. You sprinkle in the Kansas City Royals in there as well. There is still time for the Mariners, Ariel, to make up some ground. No make or miss playoff odds up on the FanDuel Sportsbook. But when you compare where the Mariners stand in the eyes of FanDuel to win the American League pennant against the teams that are in front or just behind them in the wild card races, it is very interesting. The Mariners are 120 to 1 to win the American League pennant. The Toronto Blue Jays, who are a game in front of the Seattle Mariners in the hunt for that AL wild card spot, are 31 to 1 to win the AL pennant. The Oakland Athletics, who are a half game behind where the Mariners stand in the AL wild card race, are 43 to 1. So the Mariners, with the longest odds of all of these teams that are in the mix on the outside looking in of that American League playoff picture, they have the longest odds, yet are possibly one of the hottest teams in baseball right now, winners of seven of their last 10. That would be the case if the Toronto Blue Jays had not won seven straight. It helps that the Blue Jays are facing a team like the New York Yankees, who they're going for a four-game sweep over tonight. However, when it comes to the Mariners, the one way I'd also look at it, looking at those games against the Red Sox and two series against the Oakland Athletics coming up, two teams in the American League that are also trying to get into the wild card brace, teams that are trying to make the playoffs, Seattle, they are a tug to keep your eye out on. And uh, now I want to move into the National League. The San Francisco Giants, this is just the funniest because to me, I crack up that the FanDuel Sportsbook continues to book the Dodgers as the favorites to win this division. I'm sure at some point at the end of September, it will probably happen. And San Francisco is going to end up in the wild card spot and the Dodgers are going to somehow win in the last week of the season. But for now... The Giants are winning the division, and they beat the Rockies 7-4 to yesterday. The Giants cash in at minus 142 on the money line. The Giants 11.5. Well, that was the total, and it hits at 11. Ooh, that's a bad beat if you had the over. However, the San Francisco Giants rallied for their MLB best eighth win in the season in which they trailed in the ninth inning or later, becoming the first team to sweep a series at the Rockies this year. Isn't that crazy? The first team to sweep at the Rockies this year, Ben? That's how good Coors Field can be in Denver, Colorado for the Colorado Rockies. But here's another new addition of our segment, segment and still, because still the San Francisco Giants have the best record in all of baseball at 90 and 50 overall. Still, they have the best run line record in Major League Baseball at 85 and 55 overall, covering at nearly 61% of their games. And still, the San Francisco Giants have a two-game lead in the National League West, and still... 
like Ariel mentioned, the Dodgers, the odds-on favorite to win the NL West on the FanDuel Sportsbook right now. LA minus 130, San Francisco plus 110. I will mention, though, as of Tuesday, the Dodgers were minus 220 to win the NL West. Now they are back down to minus 130. But the Giants keep setting new records, keep setting franchise best. This is the fastest they have ever won 90 games in the last 100 years of their franchise. And San Francisco keeps proving the doubters wrong at every stretch of the turn. The Giants continue to win games even when they are trailing heading into the ninth inning. So that was the newest edition of our segment and still when it comes to the San Francisco Giants. Fastest they've reached 90 wins in 100 years, San Francisco. This team has been a major surprise. Honestly, Colorado and Seattle are the biggest surprises to me, too, because these two teams have been so profitable as home dogs when you talk about run lines. You're getting a plus one and a half with anything below a minus 140 juice on it. These two teams between Seattle and Colorado at home are so great to bet on. Even though this game against the Rockies ends up at 7-4 to four and the Rockies lose and the run line wouldn't have hit, it's just amazing to hear that the Rockies have not been swept yet at home this season and San Francisco the first ones to do it. Another team that's been impressive, especially when facing their own division, the Miami Marlins. The Marlins beat the Mets 2-1 to yesterday, cashing in at minus 104 on the money line. The Marlins actually have the fourth best run line record against their division foes. Not only that, when they're facing the Mets this year, they are 11 and 14, 11 of 14, so 11 and 3 on the run line this season when facing the Mets, if you were to have given them hypothetically a plus one and a half in every game against the Mets this year. And when they're playing at home in the second half of the year, hypothetically, if they're a home dog at plus one and a half, the Marlins, four of six games in the second half of the season, have been hitting. Again, all hypotheticals saying the plus one and a half has just been profitable on the Marlins if they are booked as a home underdog against the Mets this season. Yesterday, that came to fruition again, Ben. Sandy Alcantara, the big reason why a career-high 14 strikeouts against the New York Mets. And what makes it even that much more impressive, Ariel, is entering yesterday's game against the Marlins. The Mets actually had the ninth lowest K rate in the last two weeks against right-handed pitchers at just about 20%. So Sandy Alcantara going out there and striking out the Mets 14 times in nine innings was thoroughly impressive. He was honestly dominant. He only allowed four hits, one earned run, one bad pitch to Michael Conforto that Conforto took yard into the right field bleachers. But Sandy Alcantara was really on top of his game yesterday. And I think, although he went nine innings because this game went into extras, it was not a complete game, and Sandy did not get the win. It was almost a representation of his season overall because when you look at his record this year, he is 8-13 and with a 2 or a 3-2-8 ERA. He has been tremendous. He might be one of the best pitchers in the National League. He just pitches for the Marlins, so he doesn't get all that prestige at all times, but he has one of the highest fastballs on a consistent basis from a miles-per-hour perspective in all of Major League Baseball, and he was thoroughly dominant against the Mets yesterday, who, losing in extras, blew a huge golden opportunity to make up more ground in the National League East, as both the Braves and the Phillies lost yesterday, Ariel. So the NL East looks like this. The Braves, a two-and-a-half game lead over the Phillies. They are minus 250 to win that division on the FanDuel Sportsbook. The Phillies, plus 250, with the second-shortest odds. Again, two-and-a-half games back. The Mets, because of another loss yesterday, back down to 500 this year. Four games back of Atlanta. They are plus 900 to win the National League East on the divisional markets on the FanDuel Sportsbook. 
The Phillies only three games back of the wild card also. The Reds are only one game behind the San Diego Padres for that second wild card spot. Amazing to think the Dodgers are in the first wild card spot, but they have a 13 and a half game lead. However, the National League East not totally out of it if you're looking at the first two spots of that division, yet it's most likely going to be a division where you have to win it to get into the playoffs. Everyone else is going golfing. The American League East also has just pulled away with Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay has a nine-game lead now on the Boston Red Sox. What's in What's incredible is that the Yankees were the hottest team in baseball out of the All-Star break, and now the Yankees have lost five straight games. The Yankees are now a half game back of the Red Sox of the one spot for the wild card, and behind them, Toronto has now taken a one-and-a-half game well, they're one and a half games behind the Yankees now for the second wild card spot. This was a five and a half games back of Toronto just a few games ago. However, now that they have won three straight over the Yankees, Toronto has gained a lot of ground. The Yankees were what mine plus one they were plus 200 to make the playoffs going into the all-star break toronto was around the same and now you're looking at this blue jays team that has a shot to even surpass the yankees a team that just two weeks ago we thought was going to make the playoffs no big deal wild card hosting blah 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 it looks as if the red sox right now if this season ended today ben the red sox would be hosting the wild card game which would be very, very impactful to have that game in Fenway Park. Now with the Red Sox with a half game lead for that top spot. But Toronto has won seven straight games. The Yankees have lost five straight. The Yankees just last week, Ariel, were plus 370 to win the American League pennant. Now they are plus 750. Their odds getting longer by the day. Yeah, it's not looking good. And uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hit a bomb on Araldis Chapman yesterday, too. Shocker! Coming up next, the man that knows baseball very well, but also the NFL, Craig Mish. Stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. on the morning after on sports grid it is sirius xm channel 204 with ben stevens i'm ariel epstein coming up tonight we are going to get the dallas cowboys taking on the tampa bay buccaneers this total has dropped by a point 52 and a half dropped to 51 and a half you have a defense that was last year the best defense against the run Last year, Dallas without Dak Prescott, their quarterback, by week five, the production in their running back, Ezekiel Elliott, dropped from about 54% in success rate to 48% in success rate. Ben, how much are you looking to Ezekiel Elliott to have such a bounce back year with his quarterback returning? Well, I think when Zeke plays with Dak, there is a proven track record of more success for both of those guys, and they complement each other so well in Dallas's backfield. But I think you bring up rushing yards and rushing attempts, and that is an area when you look on the FanDuel Sportsbook in terms of the player props category 
where a lot of things might jump off the page to you. When you look at some of these numbers, they almost seem way too small, way too minimal for the season opener. In fact, let's start with Ezekiel Elliott. When you look at his rushing yards prop right now on FanDuel, it's just 54 and a half. The over-under at 54 and a half, even juice on both sides, minus 113 to the over, minus 113 to the under. The only other rushing yards prop for the Dallas Cowboys is their QB and Dak Prescott. His over-under is at 13 and a half. Then flip it the other side to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Ronald Jones, Rojo, his rushing yards prop, 48 and a half. And then Leonard Fournette, his rushing yards prop, 36 and a half. Your last memory of Leonard Fournette might be playoff Lenny. Might be a guy that absolutely dominated in the postseason, almost seemingly getting better as the games went on against those opposing defenses. So you see 36 and a half. For Leonard Fournette against a Cowboys defense that is very much shaky or at least questionable entering this year, a bottom five scoring defense last year in the NFL, and you're seeing 36 and a half, you might think that's too small. It's almost a number, Ariel, that calls out to you to take an over just because the thought process there, even if it doesn't hit, you learn from it and maybe don't go back to Leonard Fournette for a minute. But at 36 and a half, the number seems too small. Really, all of these rushing yards props, even on Zeke, seem a little bit too small when Zeke's is only 54 and a half. The only one that really stood out to me was looking at his rush attempts. The reason I liked rush attempts for Zeke at over 13 and a half is because I'm nervous against the team, a team that had the best run defense last year in Tampa Bay. I was very nervous to see that they would have to be allowing the actual rushing yards, the actual receiving yards. I'd rather just say, hmm, Dak Prescott may go to his running back. I don't know if I'm willing yet to jump in on the actual production of his running back. That's the beauty of rush attempts and pass attempts. I don't have to worry about what actually happens. I just have to worry that they try to make it happen. Over 13 and a half would be the way I would want to play it. Zeke went over that number last year in week one. He had 17 rush attempts. I was even looking at a lot of the different running backs against Tampa Bay. They still tried to establish the run, especially when both these teams are probably going to try to feel out each other's defenses. That's why I'm looking to some of these running back props, probably more so on the Tampa Bay side. Side. However, I'm excited to see how Ezekiel Elliott does bounce back with Dak Prescott at the helm. Last year, you can probably look to the first four weeks of the season to see how this offense looked with actually having Dak Prescott. He didn't miss every game. He was there for the first few weeks. The team still was bad. They were below 500 by the time that his ankle fell off Dak. However, when I looked at this defense, it was what the problem was, not so much about the offensive production. I am excited about some of these receptions props as well and longest receptions, but I'm going to welcome in now our own from here on Sports Grid, Craig Mish. He hosts FST coming up at noon Eastern time. He's going to help you with your fantasy, uh, with the fantasy perspective of the NFL. Craig, happy NFL kickoff to you. Hi guys, it is great to see you and uh, and happy NFL season to you. Sorry I had a little car issue today, so I'm having to do this remotely, but uh, I think uh, that picture looks good enough for me to be on the air, so sorry for that. Perfect. We're, we're just glad to have you in any capacity here on NFL Kickoff. I want to start with some of these fantasy players because for DFS tonight, you are going to have a lot of people out there trying to play some DFS. I always like to parlay that into the NFL props market as well. Who's a player that you're keeping your eye out for to have to play, whether it's in the props market or in DFS tonight? Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt that for me going into the season, I'm going to be heavily invested in CeeDee Lamb on the Dallas Cowboys. He's someone that 
I mean, Ariel, I'm pretty much owned in all of my drafts that I've done thus far, and that's obviously a scary proposition. But to me, it reminds me of the situation last year where DK Metcalf was sort of, uh, you know, a relatively good but unknown player in terms of round one or round two in fantasy draft, and then he made that huge step. And we saw him, of course, in prime time chasing down defensive backs. Now, Lamb is not going to be that player. He's not a physical player like uh, Metcalf was. But uh, I, I do think Lamb is going to take a big step, show what he did in college, translate that into the pros. He's a very undervalued player going into the season, both in DFS and the standard long leagues, because simply put, uh, he was a shell once uh, Prescott went out last year, and, and that's not his fault. I think he's a great player. He's the guy for me tonight. Craig, and all indications out of Cowboys training camp is that they have moved CD all around the field, trying to get him the ball and use those weapons in this offense as best as they can. When you look to the other side for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in their wide receiver room, it is quite crowded when you have guys like Mike Evans, Chris Godwin is good to go tonight, and Antonio Brown. Where is your focus on the offensive side of the ball for the Buccaneers? Yeah, I mean, Ben, it reminds me a lot of, of, of when New England was going really good, you know, years ago, and they have the same quarterback there, and, and it was really hard to predict which of their solid wide receivers would cash in. It was Is it going to be Welker? Is it going to be Edelman? Is it going to be Randy Moss? It's like they went through all those years of different receivers, Philip Dorsett. Um, you know, so for me, I'm not I'm not entirely bullish on that because I think it's a coin flip for me in the fantasy draft world. I think that the value was taking Antonio Brown later than it was taking those first two receivers just because it was unpredictable. But look, if you're in for all the glamour and all the prime time and, and you know, things that happen that you would expect, then I suppose that you would be putting a little coin tonight. On, uh, on Gronk's prop to catch a touchdown and to go over some totals just because Brady does have penchant for those primetime games and doing that. So that would be the dart throw for me. I'm also a little bit in on Ronald Jones this season, and I'm not really sure where Bernard stands in terms of full health. Once Bernard is fully healthy, then I, I think he probably provides some significant value both on his receptions prop uh, but I don't think that that would be the case tonight. So a little bit of Gronk, a little bit of Ronald Jones would be the way to go. It's going to be unpredictable, Ben, on the receivers this season. They'll all have good years, but when, I can't tell you. Typical Tom Brady. Craig Mish from FST here on Sports Grid joining us. Craig, going to the quarterback conversation, Dak Prescott coming off that brutal right ankle injury. How concerned are you for him in his first game back tonight? I mean, a, a little bit, but, you know, I, I guess my, my bigger concern would be like someone, an area like Ben Roethlisberger, who I saw play at the end of last season and is just going to come back again this year. And, and he did not show a lot in the final six or seven games of the season. And so my concern level for him would be high because I've seen it. I, I think tonight is a little bit more unpredictable. But look, none of the writers who cover the Cowboys seem to be overly concerned and in general, the people who cover that team tend to be critical. And me being a reporter, uh, you know, I, I sort of understand that dynamic. And so when somebody reports something and they're covering the team saying, hey, I'm a little bit concerned, like Barkley is a good example on the Giants. Like he hasn't got on the field. We haven't seen him in practice. What is he going to look like in the games? Like that's a level of concern going into week one for fantasy and for DFS. But uh, for me, I think it's probably all systems go. I mean, is he on a uh, 40 is he on a pitch count like Major League Baseball tonight? I could see that being possible. Maybe instead of throwing 50 passes tonight, 
he throws 40. But generally concerned, if I just got done telling you that I drafted Lamb everywhere, boy, that would be foolish for me to say that I'm concerned about Dak Prescott. So, Craig, obviously a healthy Dak Prescott not only helps C.D. Lamb, but also Ezekiel Elliott. What do you make of the running back this season for the Dallas Cowboys? Yeah, look, I, I, I think a lot of his struggles, Ben, were due to the fact that Dak was out last season. But historically speaking, Elliott is going to go one way or the other this year. He's going to defy age and usage, and he's going to become Adrian Peterson or Frank Gore. Or he's going to be like 80% of the other running backs who are going to really slow down in, uh, you know, at age 30, age 29, age 31. Le'Veon Bell comes to mind there. Um, I'm, you know, this is one where I'm somewhere in the middle. I don't know that that's a good enough take for a show like your guys, but I, I, I think some regression is coming, but I think he's a little bit better than what he was last year. I think Pollard, as the season goes on, is going to emerge as more of a threat, and I could see next year Dallas giving Pollard just as many carries as they do Elliott. So uh, in fantasy, I know he was still a top 10 pick. I don't know that he'll grade out like that. But Todd Gurley still scored a lot of touchdowns, and he looked like he couldn't play at all in the NFL because they got the ball to one and gave him the ball. So I think that that's going to happen a lot with Elliott, and my guess is his numbers will mask some of the regression going into the season. Craig, we're not going to get to speak with you until after the week one slate ends. So who upcoming this Sunday are you looking as your must-have, whether it's on a regular fantasy slate or whether it's DFS, which most likely here we probably have to just talk about DFS or props. Who is that player that you're targeting this weekend? Yeah, I I think for just this week, and again, this week only, I, I think the Rams are in a really good position offensively going up against the Chicago Bears because I do think that very quickly the Bears are going to have to make a decision on their quarterback. I mean, look, we saw enough of Andy Dalton last year to know that he's no longer a starter. Andy could play 10 more years as a backup in the NFL and call Matt Hasselback and say, hey, how did you do it for 10 years? And call Warren Moon and say, hey, how did you sit around for 10 years? That's who he's going to be. He should not be starting anymore in the NFL the Bears made the decision in week one to go with them because they're going up against the Rams. And I think that offensively, they should be able to have their way with them because of the opportunities they're going to get. I don't think the Bears are going to score a lot. They're going to have a really hard time. So Stafford is in play uh, in DFS this week. Woods is in play in DFS this week. The running backs I'm not entirely sure on. I think Henderson could be okay, but Michelle could come in and steal some of those short goal line carries, but play Stafford and play the receivers, I think, on the Rams. And then I think the Bears will make the switch to fields in week two. Craig, obviously today football is the focus, but we only have about 20 games left in the Major League Baseball season. You cover the Miami Marlins. You know the National League East. We have asked you about the NL East all year long. Only about a minute left here in this segment. As it stands right now, who are you picking to win that division? I think I've done this three weeks in a row, and I've taken the Phillies, or three of the last four weeks. So I guess I'll still take the <laughs> Phillies here, but clearly clearly the Braves are in the uh, the driver's seat. Uh, you know, what's interesting, you mentioned Miami. Miami, Ben, is really going to determine who gets in or out. Miami plays Atlanta for the next three games, and they play Philadelphia again, and Miami's had their way with them. So I'll stick with Philadelphia and, and expect them to come on at some point. But, I mean, obviously the Braves are in the driver's seat, but uh, that's kind of the way that I see it. I don't like the Mets, clearly. You guys shouldn't either. 
<laughs> the Braves minus 250 to win that division. The Phillies plus 250. The Mets plus 950. Hey, Craig, I like the Marlins whenever they play anyone in the division. I just mentioned it earlier in the show that if the Marlins were getting plus one and a half at home in the second half against the Mets this year, they've won four of those six uh, run lines. So plus one and a half on Miami. Hey, I know you can't say anything about it, but I love it. And Craig? Congratulations to the Marlins owner, Derek Jeter, Hall of Fame. All but one person voted him in. Craig Mish, thanks for coming on with us. Catch him at FST noon Eastern time here on the grid. We'll see you next week, Craig. All right, congrats on uh, on Derek. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. On the morning after on Sports Grid, it is Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Let's get to our poll. It's time for Fade the Public. The Buccaneers quarterback Tom Brady is going to start his NFL record 300th regular season game tonight. The question for the poll it's who's going to cover? Is it the Buccaneers at minus eight and a half? The Cowboys at plus eight and a half? Then the public has spoken and slightly, just over 54%, say it's going to be the home favorites. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers laying the eight and a half is going to be the team that covers. Are you fading the public? Unsurprisingly, the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers had the fifth best record against the spread last year, covering in 12 out of their 20 games. I hate this number. I do not have a strong feeling. I do not have a strong edge for today's game on a side perspective because the number has become too inflated. If you would have gave it to me at the open, Bucks minus six and a half, yeah, hammer Tampa Bay. As it stands right now, I think I have to fade the public according to this poll. I think somehow, some way, the Cowboys cover. I still think Tampa could easily win by a touchdown. I'm not sure they win by more than eight and a half. So I guess slightly, although I hate saying this, I'm fading the public. The Cowboys cover tonight. Although, as you can tell by my facial expression, not a very strong feeling that that happens. You're getting the better Cowboys number right now at plus eight and a half. However, this was the problem I had with a lot of friends in the gambling business who I was asking. I said, you know, I'm just trying to get a gauge. What do you think for tonight's game? A lot of my friends say, oh, yeah, I grabbed that minus six and a half a few weeks ago. Like, guys, that's not the question. The question is, what do you like at eight and a half? No, no, no. I don't like the eight and a half. If I had to, you take the better. That's the way the gambling world is. You take the better number. Well, the better number right now, it's the Cowboys plus eight and a half. And about two weeks ago, it was the Bucks at minus six and a half. Either way, I'm probably staying off the spread. Props, baby. And we've got you covered with those props coming up in happy hour, hour three of our show. Yet next it's the hour of chaos. It's hour number two. We'll dive into the NFL futures market. We've got some more great guests to help us break down tonight's game. Stay here on Sirius XM Channel 2. How to spot a sports gaming winner. They listen to us. Don't rely on luck. Get the expert information you need. The winning edge. 